Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Thank you for joining us for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. Hello, boys and ghouls. I am Matt Spectro, your host, and we are celebrating Halloween. I am uh, your host, lifetime comic fan, lifetime superhero fan, lifetime animation fan, and this is the podcast about animation springing from the world of comic books. And it's another spooky episode as we celebrate. Halloween all month. Let me briefly explain the rules. Number one, like I said, we're always talking comic book animation. Number two, just like the old team-up books, DC Comics presents Marvel Team-Up, Marvel 2-in-1. It's always me teaming up with a special guest. And third and most important, we got to have fun. All right, I'm not going to waste any time. We're going to bring our guest out. He's a former guest of the show. He appeared on one of our very first episodes. He's the uh, former co-host of the For the Pops podcast and the self-professed Batman expert. Welcome to the show, Jamie Janikowski. How are you, Matt? Good to see you tonight. It's always a pleasure. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you. Should I do the entire episode in my fake Batman voice? Gotta. <laughs> I hope not. I think it would be great audio for your for your fans. No, that would that would absolutely destroy my throat. So we're not going to do that for the entire hour. How I'm um, also I would also like to say I was your fill in host with uh, our Masters of the Universe episode, which gets absolutely no respect from Brian Malone and I. We're still very <laughs> upset about that. Yeah, I forgot you're also yes, you did fill in for me when I was on my Disney vacation uh, last summer, last July. Yeah, we broke the rules a little bit, and I know your uh, your producer was mad at me because of our uh, our audio quality on that one. But but to be fair. <laughs> When I filled in for you, I was actually moving this summer. So I think I was like recording that from like the back bedroom of a residence inn on my like AirPod. So I, I apologize. Ne- next time, next time you go to Disney, I promise I'll do better. Well, I was more hung up on the fact you guys didn't actually record. You didn't review an episode. But because it was, all right, we're not going to debate that because it was more than that. It was like the entire He-Man legacy. Nonetheless, welcome to episode 26. Wow. You were here for number three, and believe it or not, you're now back for episode 26. There's been a bit of uh, controversy since you were last on. Some people argue that uh, you're not quite the Batman expert you claim to be. You know what? Anytime those two yahoos want to show up live, and I will only do this when we're in person because I don't trust either of them, my former For the Pops uh, co-host, Scotty Slade, and his, his pseudo-brother, Ray. Ray likes to talk a lot of smack, but I don't trust him half as far as I can throw him. Uh, therefore, I will only do the Batman Trivia Fest live and in person. So next time I'm back on the East Coast, you know, if we want to get together, I'll come to the vineyard. I'll come to you. I will come to the island if Ray will leave his uh, his mountain compound where he hides out all the time in the hills of New Hampshire, and we will go mano e mano 
on bat trivia. Well, I know Scotty's for it. When he came back for the Brave and the Bold episode, he he already booked himself on a return episode with you and Ray. So it's going to happen at one point in time. To quote one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, uh, to Ray and Scotty, just bring it. I'm ready. I'm ready when they are. So as a part of Halloween month, we're going to be talking Batman, the long Halloween. This is also rare because I don't normally review something that came out so recently. This came out June 22nd, 2021. Yeah, I didn't realize until we started talking right before we started recording how recently this came out. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, Long Halloween was based on a miniseries written by Jeff Loeb and drawn by Tim Sale that came out back in uh, 1996. It's safe to assume you've read the miniseries. I ha- it's actually one of probably my top three Batman stories of all time. Uh, I love the story. I hadn't read it in a while. I wish I um, could have dug it up to reread it before watching sure. <laughs> Halloween. Some people say that if you Google best Batman stories, that it's one of the three things that comes up. Yeah, it, it's usually that one, uh, Frank Miller, uh, Dark Knight Returns. Yep. And what's the third one? Hush? I mean, I like Hush. No, it's usually uh, Batman Year One that comes up. Batman Year One. Okay. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, quite an old story. Well, not an old story. Uh, it's it, 90s doesn't seem old, but uh, it was <laughs> over 20 years ago now that you think about it. Right, exactly. I know. It's crazy. Now, some interesting bits here. Um, Tim Sales and Jeff Loeb, they did Superman for All Seasons. They did Hulk Gray. They did a lot of stuff together on a lot of classic Marvel and DC characters, but this is really where they kicked it all off. Supposedly, Archie Goodwin had approached them about doing a Batman project, and they decided to do something in the early years. And uh, the rumor, I can't confirm this or not, but uh, Mark Wade was the one who suggested they do a story on Harvey Dent since they had kind of started Batman over. Nobody had really done a focus on Two-Face's origin at that point in time. Right. Supposedly, uh, it references every time that Christopher Nolan supposedly Long Halloween is one of the influences of the Dark Knight trilogy. I tend to balk at that because, I mean... If I put you on the spot right now, name some things from the Dark Knight trilogy you think are from the Long Halloween. From the graphic novel? Yeah. I, I would have to think. I, there was something, and it'll come to me as we talk. There was actually something even in this movie that reminded me of kind of Batman Begins. I can see some of the influences. You know, this whole graphic novel, we're talking about the graphic novel now, but I guess the movie as well. It really does kind of pivot right off of Batman Year One. You know, it seems like it is a bit of a continuation from, okay, this is taking place early in Batman's career. One of the big things we'll talk about, I'm sure, as we go on, is a big part of this is him kind of honing his detective skills. He was just more of still a a brawler, a fighter, beating up bad guys. And this was really where he starts to become more of a detective. But no, a direct tie-in, it's a bit of a stretch. You know, I guess some of the Carmen Falcone stuff with the, the mob being so controlling in Gotham, but that's kind of been the myth and the legend across the Batman boards. But do your thing when you talk about the voice actors. I want to get into, I want to get into the movie because... Uh, <laughs> ah. <laughs> Before we move on to that, which we will in a minute, just one second, the only thing I could think of is you could argue the, the plot line of Batman turning on the heat on the mob, so they, as a result, they call upon some of the uh, criminals, the super-powered criminals. I guess. And things escalating. Right. Much like in The Dark Knight, the second film. So I guess you could say there's some influence, but I'd always argue like Batman Year One is way more of an influence on the Dark Knight trilogy than mm-hmm. Long Halloween. 
So, and like I said, this uh, was released in June 22nd, 2021. We're going to be doing the Long Halloween Part 1 because it's a two-parter. We're going to try and convince you by the end that you should go see Part 2 on your own. It was directed by Chris Palmer. It was Warner Brothers Animation, DC Studios, and it's, well, they say written by, but I say adapted by one Tim Sheridan. And uh, supposedly, I think it's the 42nd DC direct-to-DVD animated film. They say it fits into the same continuity of Superman, Man of Tomorrow, and the Justice Society World War II DVD, which seems odd to me, but because <laughs> I don't remember there being any references to even Superman, let alone uh, the Justice Society. We're, we're going to get to this, but I don't want to hear the words DC and continuity used during this entire podcast. <laughs> All right, sure. We're going to get to the voices and the uh, characters like you had uh, so suggested just a few seconds ago. Obviously, Batman, the main guy, uh, everyone knows, created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. He's voiced by uh, Jensen Ackles, or Ackles, who most famous is uh, Dean Winchester on the TV, the hit TV show, Supernatural. But as far as the world of comics uh, is concerned, he also is going to be playing Soldier Boy in the uh, upcoming season of The Boys. As well as he voiced Jason Todd in uh, Under the Red Hood direct-to-DVD. And he played Jason Teague on uh, Smallville as well. Have you done an episode on The Boys yet? I have not. Well, there's no real... We stick to animation, so uh, there's no Boys cartoon. Oh, that's right. Stupid. Ah. Next time you're at Disney, I'm going to break that rule next. So, uh, hey, (laughs) next year when Matt goes to Disney, stay tuned for my special episode on The Boys. (laughs) So he has quite a connection to comic books and the DC universe. I didn't realize it until I started researching the episode. Catwoman. Catwoman is created also by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Uh, she is voiced by the late, I'm not sure if I can say this name right. Uh, Naya Rivera. Oh, uh, Naya Ri- Rivera. Naya Rivera. Naya Rivera. She had uh, most famously played Santana Lopez on Glee. And she tragically uh, passed away in 2020. In fact, the whole movie is dedicated to her memory. Harvey Dent, Two-Face, created also by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Josh Dumal, or Duhamel, does his voice. Mr. Fergie. Yes, he also played uh, William Lennox in the Transformers films. And most recently, he played the Utopian in uh, Jupiter's Legacy. One of my favorite celebrity couples, by the way. Who's his wife? Josh Duhamel and and Fergie from uh, Black Eyed Peas. You're right. You're that, that's why I call him Mr. Fergie. He, it's just one of those random celebrity couples that I don't, I don't know why they're still together, but they are. Continue, Matt. Are they considered a power couple or are they? Uh... Well, you know, I, I would actually call her a uh, perhaps a pop music megastar uh, back from my For the Pops days that's not Beyonce. So continue. You know, sorry. I digress. Commissioner Jim Corden, also created by Bob Kane, Bill Finger, Billy Burke. Does his voice. He's most famous for playing Charlie Swan in the Twilight films. You have a daughter who's just 18. You must have seen some of the Twilight films. I I can swear on whatever you want me to swear on. I have never seen one minute of one Twilight film. All right. We'll we'll have to look into that. There's nothing to look into. I've never never seen any of these movies. (laughs) The Joker, created by Bob Kane, Bill Finger, and Jerry Robinson. Troy Baker does his voice. He is most famous for doing uh, video games and uh, anime voiceovers. And he played uh, Joel Miller in The Last of Us. I, I feel like that's come up on other episodes, so he must have voiced characters on uh, other uh, 
cartoons as well. If I can jump in on that one, Matt, I was I was actually surprised when I started watching that I pulled up the cast list. I was actually surprised it wasn't Mark Hamill doing the Joker. He sounded incredibly similar to Mark Hamill's Joker. Yeah, when I watched the trailer, he did sound a lot like Mark Hamill. Yeah. So when I was looking it up, I, I was wondering. I thought I would have heard about it, but I thought, well, maybe it slipped under my radar. Right. And Carmen Falcone, he was created by Frank Miller and David, I always can never say this name, Mazzuccelli, I think is how you say his name. He is voiced by Titus Welliver, famous for playing the man in black on Lost. He also is the star character of the television show Bosch, which I've never seen. All right. There are other people in there, but I didn't want to go over everyone. Are you ready? For the long Halloween, Jamie. I'm ready for the long Halloween, Matt. I'd keep the lights on. It's going to be scary. Hopefully you folks watch it with us. We're going to take a break and watch Batman The Long Halloween Part 1. And then we're going to review it when we come back. Don't go anywhere. There's Halloween. Jim, there's Party City Halloween. With millions of costumes. Customize your look with endless accessories. It's not just Halloween, it's Party City Halloween. Come celebrate Marvel Superhero Spectacular. I can't really be a lawyer and a criminal, can I? I want to win. But do I want to win like this? I'm of two minds here. So it's a coin flip. Johnny Vitti was murdered tonight. The Falcone crime family has to be taken down. There's only room for one homicidal maniac in this town. Why are you running? You could use a little fun. I thought you didn't hurt people! You thought wrong. You still haven't figured out who killed Johnny Vitti? A killer who only works on holidays. There's lots of crazy out there. Once I take him out, things are going to be different. We can start a family. The city has fallen, Alfred. Then we must endeavor to lift it up again. Holiday and who's next? Meanwhile, behind the facade of this innocent looking podcast, And we are back, and when we just watched Batman The Long Halloween, give me goosebumps, and uh, I'm going to sleep with the nightlight on tonight. That was uh, 
pretty scary, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I can honestly say that was like an 85-minute nightmare. It's going to be a little different because normally we do, we've only done a couple of longer episodes, so this is going to be something. We open with a shot of Gotham City. Skyscraper Bruce Wayne is there. He's looking out the window where looks like the Mar- the crime family is there. Everyone's talking. He talks about how him and Thomas Wayne believed in bringing order to the chaos of Gotham City. Bruce believes in Gotham City, not necessarily the the Carmen Falcone and uh, Thomas Wayne relationship. Right after that, the mobsters show up in an Italian restaurant, and we open with our, our opening credits with a montage, a lot of it looking like stuff from The Long Halloween. Right off the bat, I got to ask you, what do you think of the uh, the art style here? I love the art style in the pre uh, in the credit sequence. You know, when they kind of show Calendar Man, they show some of the shots. It matches up. It looks so much like the graphic novels. It was great. Um, the, the first time we walk, I had, and this is a me thing. I haven't watched as much of the DC animated movies as perhaps I should have. And I'm going to get into that as we, as we talk about this one, it so throws me off when I don't hear Kevin Conroy's voice as Batman. Like it <laughs> takes me a minute, like for whatever reason, it takes me a minute. I liked the animation style. It reminded me, you know, the, the art deco look of it, uh, reminded me of Batman, the animated series. But it was different. It was modernized. I, I'll say that whenever they showed Batman, I thought he looked better. You know, in the animated series, it, it was always a little blocky looking. That was just that animation style. This one was a, a lot more streamlined. I thought Batman looked good. I thought everybody looked good. We'll talk about a scene later that caught me off guard. I don't think I've ever seen as much cleavage in an animated show uh, since I watched like Stripperella uh, as Catwoman <laughs> in her evening gown or Selena Kyle in her evening gown. But overall, I, I liked I liked the animation style going into it. I did too as well. I liked how it looked a lot like a comic book, even though it was animated. Yeah. Like, that's what I really liked about it. You see various things happening during the credits. Harvey Dent's elections, judges getting paid off, Gordon chasing criminals, Batman chasing criminals. There's a scene under a bridge where Dent's getting an envelope from a, a mobster. That uh, mobster goes back to his own apartment. Takes a bath, but then a mysterious figure walks in, shoots and kills him, dun, dun, dun. and leaves a jack-o'-lantern behind. Then we switch to Wayne Manor. Alfred's there with a bucket of candy, but there are no trick-or-treaters. I gotta say, Wayne Manor looks pretty creepy. I don't know if I would trick-or-treat there if I was a kid. You're starting to touch on... A challenge I have with this movie and a challenge I have with, you know, 2021 Batman. But I'll, I'll let you keep going. What would bother me about this scene? Okay, I got to go. All right, I'm going to jump off for one second. All right, go ahead. That's why we brought you on. Dear DC and Warner Brothers, I'm a nearly 50-year-old Batman fan. I'm begging you, okay? Christopher Nolan's... And I guess we'll go back. The the uh, Tim Burton and Christopher Nolan Batman, it all worked because they were going for that certain darkness. I'm begging you, DC and Warner Brothers. When telling Batman stories, not everybody has to be an angry, grumpy jerk. And this whole thing starts off. It's like, okay, like 
great. They're having this business meeting with all the mobsters. Okay, they're mobsters. But they're looking out the window and Gotham's dark and everybody's angry. The first thing Bruce Wayne does, he walks into his own like downstairs on Halloween. Alfred's got a bowl of candy and he's like, you know, Alfred, we... We shouldn't be opening up the gates of Wayne Manor for security reasons. You're freaking Batman number one. We're doing about security. And why are you so grumpy out of the gate? It used to work because you had socialite Bruce Wayne, who was pretending to be nice. I know it's just with Alfred, so it doesn't have to be. But God, everybody is just such a grump all the time in Batman stories now. And, and here we go, right out of the gate. He wakes up on Halloween in the evening, and he's already grumpy. Yeah, um, even says that uh, it's an absurd holiday. Right. And that's when Alfred gives us our like our, our one point of light in the whole thing where he's like, oh, yeah, uh, dressing up in a dark costume and scaring people. That That is ridiculous. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, I said, uh, but you're right. Absurd. Putting on costumes and striking fear in people. Ah, oh, so great. So, okay. So we've already established, yay, we're back in grumpy Gotham. But, but it, it should get better now because I think in the next scene is – at least we have Commissioner Gordon who's going to go take his kids trick-or-treating, right? Yep. So this will be a good scene. This will be happy. Yep. They, uh, they're they at the everyday neighborhood. Uh, there's jack-o'-lanterns. Uh, he's with his two kids. They're all excited. Uh, she's dressed like a police officer. I think his son was dressed like a ghost. Yep, a ghost. And, and the future Batgirl Barbara, she's dressed as a police officer. And uh, he's going to let him drive as a joke. Ha, ha, ha. Hey, you know, not everything in Gotham is dark and miserable. Look, some families still have fun on Halloween, right? And then the phone rings. He doesn't answer first, but then he, he does, and he's got to go. And his wife tries to explain that he's a captain now. People are counting on him, so he's not Commissioner Gordon. He's Captain Gordon at this point. Yep, and a, and a captain on the police force clearly can't say, you know, I'll be there in a little while, because there are no other captains. He's the only one, apparently. He's the only one who can go to this call. And so Barbara storms off crying because, again, dad has disappointed her again. Halloween's ruined because we're not allowed to have anything good in Gotham. Why does anybody live in Gotham? It is a good question. It does seem like a miserable place to the, live. The way DC tells it, I mean, look, we could argue why would you want to live in the DC universe when you're going to get attacked by, you know, some giant robot alien on any given day. But seriously, in Gotham, everybody's miserable. Halloween's ruined three minutes in. There's apparently only one police captain. Jim Gordon's a grumpy douche. Bruce Wayne's a grumpy douche. Batman's grumpy. But now let's go to Harvey Dent because that'll be happy, right? Yep. He goes in. There's a bowl of candy, but can't find anybody in the house. But Gilda's on the back porch smoking. She said she wasn't up for trick-or-treating. And with the candy, uh, Harvey Dent makes first of many of these type of references. Says he has a love-hate relationship with candy. She says he has a love-hate relationship with everything. Yes, a lot of duality comments from Harvey during this this movie. <laughs> but looks like right when they're about to settle in, bat signal appears and Harvey's got to go. And then we uh, cut to Gordon and Den on the roof where Batman does finally show up. And this is actually the first Matt, time. Matt, Har- I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Go ahead, go ahead. Do you know anybody in law enforcement or let's say district attorneys or anything like that? Uh, I know someone who was a police, I think is still a police officer, but that's about it. Sure. So let's take that person. Let me ask you a question. Your, your buddy comes over, you're all playing poker at your house one night, right? Having some chips, having a soda, playing some poker. And he hears sirens in the distance. Does he just jump up and be like, all right, I got to go to work? <laughs> I don't know. No, it doesn't happen. Good Lord. Continue. 
these guys, uh, Johnny Vitti was been murdered. Harvey Dent is particularly mad about this because he was going to testify against Falcone, and he's convinced that's who did the crime. They knew they used a baby nipple for the silencer, which I, I really want to have Mythbusters to do if that actually would work or not. But that ties into, remember, that Harvey and Gilda through this whole thing, they keep making vague references to children and non-children and children not being around. But, oh, wait, Matt, getting back to how we started about the influence of this on uh, the Christopher Nolan movies. Correct. This was the scene. Because remember, in Dark Knight, the whole setup was that Harvey, Batman, and Gordon were really the hope for Gotham, kind of the the White Knight, the Dark Knight, and Commissioner Gordon. And this was a scene that reminded me of Christopher Nolan stuff. So that could be part of the tie-in. You got a point, because even Gordon says how the three of them have got to work together. Right. Batman works in the night, Harvey in the day. Bend the rules, but don't break them. And then Catwoman is on an adjacent roof. So Batman goes after her, and then when Gordon turns around, Dent's already left as well, so Gordon's been talking to himself. There, there is the running joke in the whole thing where people disappear. Remember, even at the beginning, uh, Bruce is talking to Alfred, and Alfred walks out of the room, and Bruce actually, yeah. I hate when he does that. And then Dent does it here, so it's kind of a running gag. Uh, so then we got to uh, the building where uh, all the uh, the mourners are there for Vidi, who's been murdered. They imply that Salvatore Moroni was behind it. One of the gangsters is very adamant that it's all Harvey Dent's fault for putting all this pressure on him, and they got to hit back. But Falcone says uh, they'll hit back at the right time, and he is insistent they need to hit back right now. All of a sudden, uh, he kind of like says, uh, he kind of like has like that oh shit moment where he's like, oh, I don't, I don't mean any disrespect. Right, yeah, yeah. But then this uh, big bruiser uh, escorts him out of the room and then escorts him down the stairs Literally. <laughs> Literally throws him down the staircase. Oh. So then uh, they say, now that that's over, we got to discuss other business. And he says that because uh, of the other business, uh, Alberto, take your crosswords for a walk because Alberto, his son, is doing a crossword puzzle. Right. Um, and he says, this was bizarre to me. It's actually a logic puzzle. <laughs> I don't, I've never heard anything referred to as a logic puzzle before, have you? You know, unfortunately I have, I think only because like I, I watch Big Bang Theory and then I watch like Survivor and sometimes on Survivor there are logic puzzles versus physical challenges, but it looked, I don't know. You know, see, here's my thing and I'm holding back. The long Halloween graphic novel or the, the storyline, it took place over 13 issues, 13 months. It was from... October of year one through October of year two. So it's 13 issues. Correct. Every issue, it was like a serialized mystery where little hints would get dropped. But then you had to wait. And then the next one, and more hints would get dropped. And you'd find yourself going through the back issues. If you're reading it digitally, kind of flipping back to, okay, what what did I miss? What's happening here? Because the whole thing is what we're trying to figure out is who this murderer holiday is, right? Yes. I had a problem with how this translated to a two-part 85-minute movie. Like, it just felt like they were just trying to cram all this stuff into it. My big thing is, this is why I was so shocked, because I believe it or not, Matt, I had my whole point of view ready for this episode that I threw out as soon as you and I started talking. Okay. <laughs> when I realized that this came out in June of this year. 
Because my entire point would have been, you know how this would have been great? And I have to make a connection here. If Marvel owned this story, right, it would have been a 13-week episodic TV thing on Disney+. And it would have laid out like the graphic novel. So week one would have been October, then November, then December. And all these like these months and these murders would have time to breathe. I just felt like in this, because they were trying to cram it into two 80-minute movies, it all got smushed together. So you're getting some obvious stuff, like, you know, all of Harvey Dent's comments about duality and Gilda saying, you know, oh, you see a lot of things two ways. And the baby references and uh and what's his name here? Um Alberto doing uh puzzles. They're all just so heavy-handed, and they're like, boom, 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 one on top of another. That's where I think it lost something from the graphic novels. I didn't feel watching it like this sense of trying to figure out who did it or who's behind it because it was all just moving so quickly. Sorry, I jumped in. Continue. No, I think it could have benefited from a series and maybe not just two parts. That might have, especially with it being a mystery, I think you might be on to something. That was actually, and we'll go, go off topic and then I'll, I'll let you take back over. That was my big argument when I watched the, uh, the Snyder Cut Justice League, the, the four and a half hour, what do you call that, masterpiece that that was. Yeah. I don't think that movie gets buried the way it does. If it had been a six episode WandaVision style or Falcon of the Winter Soldier style serial where you break up that movie into four or five parts, it's the same thing with this. If this could have been stretched out longer so it followed that graphic novel, that's what made that graphic novel so good, was it was 13 unique months and events that happened over the course of a year of this holiday killer. So, all right, I'm done. I'll be quiet now. So we go back to Catwoman and Bash. She leads him to uh, Falcone's warehouse where there's huge stacks of money in this warehouse. Similar to the stacks of money in The Dark Knight, uh, where they talk about how he's, uh, it's all there because he's been having a hard time laundering his money. Batman thanks Catwoman, and she says uh, she doesn't even know, really know why she helped him, and they're about to kiss. And then a figure in the shadow interrupts him. It's one Harvey Dent. Batman even says that he put some of her friends in Arkham, so I guess that implies Catwoman is on friendly basis with like Joker, Penguin, Riddler, and all the other Gotham villains. Right, because it's Gotham where all the heroes are jerks and all the villains are fun and hang out together. <laughs> Dent makes a, a comment about the money and if we were two uh, different men. But before he finishes the sentiment, Batman cuts him off, says, we're not. And they're just trying to decide what to do. They're saying that Falcone owns the mayor and the city council. They got to figure out how to make this money disappear. They even ask... Uh, Catwoman, why she wants to hurt Falcone, and she fires back with, why are you? He says, it's not personal, it's justice. But she says, sometimes justice can be personal, and she gives Harvey a match. And Batman thanks her, but she says that uh, he owes her one, and she says that she owes him about a billion and a half. At this point, he's been Batman at the most three years. How many times has Catwoman saved his skin? Yeah, you know, I actually couldn't figure out, and it, it reveals itself later. I couldn't tell early on if Batman and Catwoman knew who each other were. It takes a while into the story to kind of figure that out. At this point, because they make some comments here and there, I actually thought they already knew 
until you find out later how she figures it out, which again was odd. So Dan says, can I be a lawyer and a criminal? Most of them are. Can I win like this? I'm, I'm of two minds. Yeah. And then uh, Batman says it's a coin flip. Heads, we burn it. And then the coin flips in the air, but we don't uh, see how it lands. But then the next shot is you see Falcone looking at a distance at an obvious fire, and you can hear fire, you know, uh, engines going off. The Batcave, there's news about the fire, in fact. And uh, this is another great bit where Harvey goes back, he drops the coin, and it lands on heads. And he even makes a comment about two heads being better than one. Right. But when he goes in, you see a mysterious car drive away. He can't find his wife anywhere, but then finally uh, Gilda is uh, swinging on the swings. She asks him not to leave her and says he's sorry. And uh, he says this job isn't forever. Once he takes out Falcone, they can start a family. You kind of find out that she uh, can't actually have children. But Harvey still says he uh, he loves her more every night. And uh, right when they're going to go back in the house, the house blows up. Dun, dun, dun. So right after that, you go Batman's pursuit. He's uh, chasing a gangster. They're shooting back at each fourth. He's talking to Alfred on the screen while this is happening. Says that the uh, turkey is uh, roasting on the oven. While he's doing that, he says that... Uh, to order a new windshield, one that's bulletproof. So I guess he didn't have a bulletproof no. windshield. No, right. So I guess the implication here, without them saying, is that it's uh, it's Thanksgiving now. It's Thanksgiving now. Which I didn't like the time jumps. They they kind of happen abruptly, I thought. Like I said, Matt, that I, the pacing of this, I feel like this, this movie, it was slow when it didn't need to be. And then they would do these huge time jumps to make up for it, to fit it into time. I'll use my analogy of earlier. Like, I felt like they didn't, let anything breathe in this show. I could agree with that. The car crashes, so it ends up being a pursuit on foot. They go into Chinatown. He finally catches up with them. He actually stabs him with one of his batarangs, and he said uh, he's screaming, saying, "I thought you didn't hurt people." And uh, he's asking questions, and then he starts laughing, and he's like, "What are you laughing about?" He's like, "You're gonna find out in a second And then all of a sudden, he gets attacked by uh, members of the, I believe it's the Chinese mob. Now, here's where I took issue a little bit, and comics especially, but all forms of entertainment, why is it whenever any Asian mob, be it Chinese, Japanese, whatever, they always are fighting with nunchucks, samurai swords, like, am I to believe if I go over to China and Japan, all the criminals (laughs) are using samurai and ninja weapons? That's how you know they're criminals, Matt. Yep. So, if if you're walking down the street and some guy got nunchucks, yeah, you run, because he's a criminal. (laughs) Like, they don't have guns. They always are using these archaic weapons. They only use ancient Asian weapons is all they use there. I know it makes for good visual, you know, choreographed fights, but it just seems so ridiculous to me. Yeah. There's a huge fight. Batman fighting them back and forth. He's getting the upper hand. They're getting the upper hand on him. Catwoman shows up to help uh, defeat him, tells Batman to continue the pursuit. But she gets some sex. He doesn't say thank you. Sure. <laughs> Batman chases him into the sh- into the sewer. He says, the difference between me and you is I know what's down here. He's still shooting and runs away. And then, who should appear in the sewers but one Solomon Grundy? Hey, anytime we can get a Solomon Grundy guest appearance, I'm suddenly on board. 
honestly, the whole time forgetting the comic, I was expecting Killer Croc was going to show up in this scene. Right. Yep. And the fact that it was Grundy and he's got the henchman by the throat, he tells him to put him down and uh, hand him over so he won't bother Grundy anymore. And Grundy actually complies, puts him down and walks away, yep. kind of mumbling to himself the whole time. Like I said, I love a good random Solomon Grundy. And I'll tell you, I think I start off by saying that the comic book uh, series Hush is probably my favorite Batman story ever. I love any time you can pack in all the good villains into one big long storyline. Normally, I love that stuff. Well, when we do the the trivia episode, uh, we're going to probably review Hush. We're going to make it a two-part episode where it's half trivia, Batman trivia, second half we review the Hush DVD. There we go. So Harvey's in the hospital. There's a whole bunch of flowers. There's even one uh, for Gilda Dent from the Falcone family. Huh? So that's a little strange. Why would they do that if they tried to kill him? The questions just keep arising, Matt. <laughs> so they go to Batman and uh, Gordon. Are, uh, they're grilling that uh, assassin or would-be assassin. They're pulling the good cop, bad cop routine. He says he's been framed. Admit it, you got nothing. They should actually thank him, but they don't even... He, he's acting like they should know who killed Vidi. And Batman says the simple explanation usually is correct. And it says that all, all the signs point to Falcone, not Dent. Even though this guy's implying that Dent might have had something to do with it. So then Dent is out of bed. His window's open, so it looks like he snuck out of the hospital. We go to the Falcone family. Uh, they're cooking. He's making tomato sauce, in fact. Yes. <laughs> Because if you're going to have ethnic stereotypes, you know, <laughs> Asians with nunchucks, Italians making sauce. He says that uh, to Alberto that uh, Den is alive as long as uh, I allow it. And Alberto's got to learn his place. He says since Oxford, he never knew his place. And he says that uh, he, he sent the flowers to throw the suspicion off them, which really gets Carmine upset. <laughs> he grabs him right by the throat, in fact. Yep. And he says, uh, you're delusional and don't ever act on behalf of the family. And you're not next in line for the family. You are weak. And he throws him aside. And there's a shot of Catwoman paying attention to all that happened as well. But it doesn't lead to much. Because then we go to Dent, who's outside the building. He's just sort of staring there. Gordon shows up, tries to get him out of there. Tries to get him to come to his house for Thanksgiving. But he says that he's not hungry. And in fact, he... Uh, he gives Harvey his gun so he can protect his family. So things are starting to get intense. You go back to the Falcone's Thanksgiving. He gives a big uh, speech to the family. They cut to uh, someone's opening a briefcase with a gun wearing gloves. And then you go to Chinatown where uh, that hitman did walk. And he's with all of his friends. They're celebrating. Gordon's back home. He's got a empty table, but his uh, leftover Thanksgiving is there. There was a really nice touch where there's a shot of the sewer and Grundy's there and you can see that Batman left him a, a plate for Thanksgiving dinner. Right, because, you know, that's who Batman's nice to is Solomon Grundy. I got nothing. I did like that. But then the mass figure shows up and murders every member of the Chinese mob. Yep, those nunchucks couldn't save him now, could they? <laughs> and then the next shot, they go to Arkham where it's snowing and, and waving. I could figure out it's Christmas time at this point, even though they didn't come out and say it. Now it's Christmas. I got to say, Arkham looks like really creepy. It's like on the top of this mountain and it looks like a castle and like, 
there's gates. I know it's always creepy, but it looks like something out of an old Universal monster movie. Right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It looks very horror-ish. <laughs> and as they're walking through, uh, Batman gives credit to Dent that this was his idea. He wanted him in a penitentiary, but uh, Harvey put him in Arkham, and he says Harvey was right to do it. And they go to visit Calendar Man. Now, I got to say, a story is good when you can actually make Calendar Man seem like not just a complete waste of space villain where you can actually find a use for him and make him actually seem like an interesting character. Again, I think that's what these great comic book series do. And I keep going back to the graphic novels, not this movie, is they find these, you know, second, third string characters and make them, they update them and they make them seem not only effective, but make them seem you know, like an actual threat. And Calendar Man, he was probably the highlight of the graphic novel or the, the comic series is what they did with Calendar Man. He says how it's a killer who only kills on holidays. He was wondering when they were going to get to him. He's listing the suspects of Maroney. And uh, he even implies that it could be uh, one of the Falcone family. Uh, but he says Dent isn't safe out there. And uh, just when you thought it was safe, then he says, what a joke and there's a real emphasis on the uh, the joke part right which makes batman go running over to joker's cell which you know pulls the blankets and it's not anybody it's a i don't even know what the heck that was supposed to be like a body made out of compost or something sure <laughs> but with uh <laughs> harvey dent's picture on the newspaper with a bunch of ha-has written around it the next scene you go is joker's decorating a tree with uh skull christmas ornaments <laughs> And he's even singing and whatnot. Dent shows up and wants to know uh, what's going on, what he what, what he wants. He says he wants a fire engine, a football, and he's here to deliver a message. And he says to put the gun down and we'll talk. No, Matt, I, I have to ask a question as you're watching this, because again, I'm I'm listening to you describe this whole movie, and I'm you know I'm not only charging you my appearance fee uh, for tonight, I'm also going to charge you for 85 minutes of my life back for watching this the first time like have you seen like picture a good mystery movie and i did you see knives out i have not no watch knives out even like i'm, I'm trying to think of a uh, knives out is a good one any good mystery movie that you watch like when they hit the reveal of who the murderer is you want to go back and be like oh wow how did i miss that oh where did i miss that clue Ooh, where did they tease that? It's like this movie, they they take that concept and they just turn it up to 11 where everything is just, you know, like you said, he hits the name, uh, you know, the Batman's war on crime is a joke and he hits it really hard. It's just everything in this, I keep saying, it's like they crammed too much into 85 minutes, not letting some stuff breathe and then hurrying through everything else. All right, continue. Well, continue. When Joker your, runs yeah. out of <laughs> when Joker runs out of bullets. Then Harvey Dent really beats the piss out of him. <laughs> I was like pretty impressed. He tackles him and just starts wailing on the Joker. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, Joker knocks him over, and he's got Holiday's gun, which really puts things into a little bit more uh, perspective. The rumor is that it might be him, and uh, Joker wants to make sure it's a. Uh, clear that there's only room for one homicidal maniac in Gotham. <laughs> I did like that. And uh, he actually knocks out Harvey Dent with the gun. Then you go to a nightclub where Batman's uh, 
some of Maroney's men are, uh, he's putting a corpse in the back of his truck that's got the smile. He's obviously been uh, killed by the Joker. And uh, says that the Joker was in before with his poison and he was he was looking for info. And uh, Batman should actually thank the Joker, he says. No, he says, maybe I should thank the Joker. <laughs> and the guy tells him, the uh, mobster says, freaks like that used to work in the fringe before Batman. Now all, all of them are coming out of the woodworks. So uh, there's definitely the implication that Batman, his presence escalates crime in Gotham more than it helps where he's bringing it to another level. So so is the criminals. Yeah, which is another tie into the Nolan series. Yeah. And then we go Joker is in with Falcone. He's going through his wardrobe. He, uh, he tells him to kill him and get it over with, but he says that that's not what he's there for. He gives him one of his cards. He says he wants to work together because he doesn't want this holiday thing. As he's leaving, he gets into a whole shooting match with one of the uh, one of uh, his guys. They're uh, blasting each other left, right, and center. Joker jumps out the window and leaves his card. And the gangster who, right when he shows up, who should appear but uh, Holiday, who kills that guy who was trying to kill the Joker. And he leaves him with a snow globe. Now, the only thing I had of this, and I can't remember if this happened in the comic, was... Uh, is it just convenient timing that Holiday came across when this guy ran out of the building shooting a Joker, or was this premeditated? You know, I actually don't remember. So they go to Alfred and uh, Batman in the in the in the cave. Batman has a bunch of the suspects on the screen. Alfred telling him he should go to the charity event. Uh, he's got the usual suspects on there. You know, uh, Joker, Falcone, his son. One of them is blanked out. And Batman says, because he doesn't like uh, the answers. And he says a great line, which I liked a lot. It said that he never thought Batman would have to be a detective. Yep. That's kind of the whole setup here is Batman learning to be a detective. Yeah, like the implication was he had just planned to strike fear and all this other stuff is stuff that he had to adapt to the job, which I really thought was a cool aspect that doesn't get explored a lot with Batman. They always tend to have him be like he's a world beater right out of the gate. Yeah. Alfred says that Batman's what the world needs him to be. So is Bruce Wayne. So he does actually talk him into going to this uh, charity event on Falcone's uh, yacht where he's giving a speech, cracking jokes. He says how him and Thomas Wayne beat the the children's uh, clinic. Selena's uh, Kyle's there and uh, she trips and well, she trips some lady and steals her necklace. Is this the the dress you were referring to earlier? Yes, where some um, her her decollage is showing. <laughs> this part was great, where uh, Falcone gives this big build up speech about this person that he doesn't acknowledge and all that, and it looks Al- Alberto looks like it's going to be him. He's getting all ready, and then he says, "Not only is he talking about Bruce Wayne, but he actually refers to Bruce Wayne as the son he never had." Amazing, right in front of his own son. That was a great line. I'm going to give you that. That was a great line. So we switch to the downtown. It's apparently it's like you know Dick Clark's rocking New Year, and everybody's there. The Dents are there. The Gordon family are there. They're talking to each other. Gordon says this is the safest place because there's a huge police presence. Gilda says that uh, she made so much money from babysitting. That's how she put away through law school. Jim Gordon's wife says she didn't know she was a lawyer, and she says uh, now I'm not anything. Yeah, so they get into a little bit of an argument there. And then there's still this underlying thing where they're all, the wives are so mad that the husbands are always working. Even on New Year's. 
Uh, we go to the Joker who's in an airplane. Uh, <laughs> I did like the bit where he's like, uh, dead pilot, check. Flight crew. Dead grounds crew, grounds crew check. check. And they're all dead. <laughs> Poison gas, check. check. He says, how, uh, you have no idea how terrifying this is. I don't know if I know how to fly this thing. <laughs> uh, so then they go back to Bruce Wayne, Selena Kyle. They're on the uh, boat together. And she says that it feels like their relationship's unraveling. Uh, and they're two different people. It was fun to try, but maybe it's time. Uh, they went their separate ways. She said she was curious about, I think one of them says they were curious about this. And uh, she said, curiosity can get you killed. Like the cat. Exactly. They go back to the dents arguing. Once again, uh, Harvey Dent says something. What can I do? I'm only one man. So there is a lot of the duality, singularity of Harvey Dent. Right. <laughs> All of a sudden, everybody, everybody. I mean, this is New Year's Eve. It's like rocking New Year. Everyone can hear the shitty biplane that the Joker is flying. Right. <laughs> everyone hears it. <laughs> And I had to rewind it for a second because he says, <laughs> crappy new year, everybody. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> oh. He laughs, hits the spray button, but he doesn't work. He's pretty upset. And then in the next ridiculous scene, he's in the plane flying, reading the owner's manual. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. He finally figures out he left the safety on. That was the problem. I. So Batman hooks the plane, and was it just me, or did the Joker actually say, shit? Yes, he does. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Why that needed to be <laughs> in there, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> so Batman gets on the plane. They actually start fighting. Joker says he's not Holiday. He wants to kill him, because Joker's not anybody's number two. And uh, he says that... uh he has a better chance of uh, killing him because uh, they both love a good puzzle. And that word puzzle. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, it makes Bruce Wayne have a flashback to Falcone's son doing his logic You mean has, puzzle. Batman has a flashback. Yeah, that's why. Batman, not Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Batman has a flashback. Yeah. Keep it straight. <laughs> of him doing the, uh, the logic puzzle. He manages to uh, get Batman off. He releases the gas, but uh, Batman... Stops him again, and he uh, grabs Joker. They jump off, and he manages to crash the plane into the into the Gotham Harbor. I have a question, though. So, But Joker started releasing gas. What about the people that were under the gas that he released? Did they die? I, I would have to assume somebody did, or maybe they were too high up. I don't know. Sure. Whatever. And there went the Joker's resolution. Yeah. <laughs> and he actually hangs Joker from like a clock, like Big Ben's size clock. Right. <laughs> to leave for the poor police to get him down, I guess. Hi. They, they, they couldn't just stick to making this a good detective mystery story. They have to throw in this this gaga, this this crap in the middle. They go back to the boat, and uh, Selena and Alberto were talking, and uh, he talks about how he's in boarding school. He was weak because uh, he fell in love at school, but with the wrong woman. And doesn't it happen to all of us? Yeah, it happened a couple times here and there. He's saying how he knows he can talk to her. And uh, the family scared her away. The woman that uh, Alberta was in love with, he's been trying to earn uh, the family's approval. He then leans in for a kiss. 
Yeah. <laughs> and apparently he misread the situation. She she pulls back. She wasn't, that's not what she wanted. She wasn't uh, trying to go for the kiss. And Batman gets very angry, shows him and says, get away from her. Didn't they just break up like five <laughs> five minutes ago? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Selena acts shocked and actually says, Bruce. Where did that, I don't understand where that came from. I don't, what, like, I, I rewound that part. I don't understand what he did that said, oh, now now I understand, unless did they know the whole time? That was my point that I asked earlier. I, I don't know, but uh, I can't believe she just blew a secret identity like that. Exactly. And he's like, uh, Bruce Wayne is Batman. And, uh, and he says, yeah, and Alberto Falcone is Holiday. <laughs> he brings up the bad clues and uh, solving puzzles. Alberto, he says, "This is why would you think it's me? I'm, I don't want this. I want a normal life." He doesn't want anything to do with the Falcone family. And all of a sudden, fireworks go off, and you hear a bang, and you see that Alberto has been shot as well. He even tells Batman, "While he's shot, you're missing some of the pieces," and he falls off the boat right into the rudder of the boat, right into the propeller. The <laughs> what, what chopped into a million pieces. The five-bladed propeller. Moving at a slow speed. What a terrible way to go. Which I think what Gordon says. Batman uh, flings the battering, knocks Holiday's gun out of their hand, chases him all over the boat, uh, but he manages to escape in another boat. Yeah, that's when they go back and Gordon says a bit about them, uh, terrible way to go. And he was so sure that it was Alberto, but now he's dead. And they're like, where's Holiday? And who's next? In the end, on the big cliffhanger, dun, Batman dun, dun. got it wrong, even though he was so confident. And Batman doesn't get things wrong very often. And that was the big finale of Batman The Long Halloween Part 1. Well. Sorry if, if this wasn't as detailed as I've been on other episodes, but there was a lot to cover in this 82-minute episode. And, and yet you left something out. Did you not watch till the end? Oh, wait. I don't think I did. Is there an end credit scene? In a post-credit scene, uh, they show Bruce at Alberto's funeral. Falcone uh, approaches him again to kind of say, you know, I want help wandering his memory, but Bruce refuses. That's when Falcone uh, introduces Bruce to his date, uh, the woman who's accompanying him to the funeral of his son. Um, and when Bruce shakes her hand, vines emerge from under her sleeve and wrap around Bruce's arm, and his eyes turn green, and they cut to... Poison Ivy. <laughs> I no, I didn't. I thought it was over. I didn't realize. <laughs> I, I feel like a terrible host. No, it's okay. That that that's why you bring me in here, Matt. Because you know, I I I bring that stuff to the table. So again, I want to say on the. I want to go on the record. I don't want to discourage your listeners to not watch this. But if you're going to take 85 minutes of your life, read the graphic novels. This is one of those rare things where this these graphic novels were done a disservice by this movie. Uh, the mystery in the graphic novel, it, it had pacing, it had mystery, it had beats in it. But like you said, Matt, this one, it's like they had it all in there. You know what it reminded me of, Matt? It's like somebody gets their grandmother's awesome recipe for, uh, for chicken pot pie, right? They have the grandmother's recipe. And if they just follow the recipe, it'll be a great chicken pot pie. But then what they start doing is saying, oh, but you know what? Little Johnny, he really likes peas. So they add some peas into it, which is all the comedy Gaga stuff with Joker in this. 
And then they're like, oh, but you know, you know, uh, Aunt Marie, she doesn't really like carrots, so we're not going to use as many carrots. So they pull. So it's like they had this great recipe, and if they had just followed it, they could have had a really good movie. But they just tried to like mesh too much of the other stuff into it, and and that's kind of what bothered me. It's been a while since I read the comic book, but I don't remember them showing Holiday as much as they show Holiday in this special. Like, it seems like I remember the comic being like the hands of Holiday or whatnot, or they'd peer off screen. It seems like there's a lot of shots of Holiday with a mask pulled up to the eyes. And am I remembering it wrong, or did that happen a lot more in this movie than it did in the comic book? I think it happened a lot more in this movie. And like I said, I think one of the things they did in the movie was... At no point in time did, did the movie make you feel like, oh, well, let me go back and see like what clues are being dropped because the clues are just so front forward. And, and it's like even some of the accusations, it's like they move so quickly. It's like, oh, I think your holiday and Boomy dies. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, okay, let, let it. I, you're going to hear me say this. Let it breathe a little bit. Let the story breathe. And um, this is a minor thing. Jensen Ackles. I. I think he's good, but I feel like he's trying too hard, some of it, to sound like gruff Batman, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of his voice. You know, I've heard some of the other guys who've done Batman. Kevin Conroy is always that voice to me. But, uh, you know, it, it was fine. All right, we're going to get into it more in-depth of our critique. First, though, we're going right over to the Spectrometer. Anyone new to the show, the spectrometer is when we rank what we just saw. Zero spectros being absolute garbage. Four spectros being, you can't get any better than that. Jamie, how many spectros are you going to give? Batman The Long Halloween Part 1. Two spectros. Just two. Only two. <laughs> All right. Um, and I'm being generous because it's a Batman movie. <laughs> I am... I'm going to ask for more reasons in a second, but I'm, I am going higher. I actually enjoyed this quite a bit. I'm going to give this uh, three Spectros. Animation was great. I love the story. My only complaints I really have is uh, I do agree with you that the pacing is all over the map. It suffers from jamming too much into it. I feel this might have been better as like a series, especially when you're dealing with a mystery. I think. You either have to do the mystery as one big arc where it, it starts, builds, gets to a climax, and then resolved. And if you're not, you have to do it like a TV show. So I think that's my only real complaint is I think it would have been better suited as a series. And that was my point. I will say, if you've never read the graphic novel, if you've never read the comic series, you might enjoy this more. If you have read it, uh, don't watch it. <laughs> I said to you, I started off by saying I think this would have been great. As a 13-episode Disney Plus series, if Batman could be on Disney Plus, where each one is a half-an-hour episode given some time to breathe, I keep using that word, keep the mystery, uh, keep the tonality of it, keep the pacing. Like I said, I thought that there was a lot of wasted time in this, of things that didn't need to be in it, which forced them in to hurry through other things. We talked about time jumps. You know, the great thing about the graphic novel is each episode was a different month which most of them culminated or the high or the crux of each issue was who got murdered on what holiday with lots of curves and twists. You know, I'm not going to say, assuming this finishes the way it is, you know, I, I know who holiday is because, because I, I read the graphic novels. 
I didn't feel like this had enough twists and turns of just when you think it's so-and-so, it's not. Or just when you think it's that other person, it's not. This just seemed to be bang, bang, bang of them trying to get through everything in 85 minutes from the mobsters trying to involve Bruce Wayne, but he's too good for that. But he has a relationship with Selena Kyle. Oh, and Harvey Dent, he's not as good as you think he is. He's going to turn into... It was like, how much stuff could we pack into this? And it was... It was just too much to pack in. Uh, and one thing I really did like, and this might just stem from in the last 10, 20 years, I've had to suffer from the Batman is the greatest thing ever who can defeat Galactus if he had five minutes. It was refreshing to see a Batman that was a little less confident, still finding his way, not perfect. That aspect of this I really liked. You don't get to see that very often with Batman, especially nowadays. No, when he basically got his ass kicked in the alley by the Asian assassins, no, that that was that was good stuff. You know, I, I like seeing Batman kind of have a tough time of it. And seeing that he's not the world's greatest detective yet, that that's still new to him, you know, I Right. I, I like that. But I don't know, I mean, you might say that just comes from we've been hit over the head like for twenty years now with Batman is can defeat anybody in the DC and Marvel universe combined and is the greatest thing ever and is never wrong. Maybe that's why it was a refreshing change. I don't know. Like I said, it, it, I was really hoping that this was going to be better. I did not enjoy it as much as you did, but you know, <laughs> if you've never read the comic book series, watch it, I guess. Well, I would definitely recommend the comic series over the movie. If you're going to watch a Batman thing around Halloween, watch uh, Batman and Robin meet Scooby-Doo. That, that's a better Halloween-themed mystery than this 85 minutes. Well, you must be psychic because that's literally the topic of next week's episode. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Can't wait to listen. One of my favorite cartoons of all time. <laughs> and we always ask every episode, if a kid in 2021 came across Batman the Long Halloween Part 1, is it something they'd enjoy? I don't think you could let a kid watch Batman the Long Halloween Part 1. I would think they'd have to be like a, a teenager watching it. Who's a, teen a teenager could watch it much younger than that. No, they couldn't. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's a little too adult for uh, for too many kids. Right. So I'm going to say no as well. What did you think out there? Did you like Batman the Long Halloween Part 1 better than we did? If you did, great. Nobody can take that against you. If you liked it less than we did, that's great as well. We're just here for spirited conversation and debate. We're not here to judge anyone for their taste whatsoever. But I want to hear from you. So if you can go to my social media, I'm at Matt Spectro on Twitter. And you can go to my Facebook page, Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. Give me your two cents. Give me your opinion. Let us know what you thought of Batman the Long Halloween Part 1. Jamie, where can people find you on social media? You can't anymore. I'm, I've retired from social media. I'm, you know, you, you can find me on Twitter at, at Jamie J UCW. I think that's the only place you can still find me. And plus, when we do our big uh, Batman two-part trivia episode, if you have any idea for trivia questions, you can send those to me directly. We can finally solve, is Jamie truly the multiverse's Batman expert? You know, I'd like to say, Matt, I'm going to hop off this uh this podcast now so i can go study but i really don't need to uh, i'm ready whenever they are if any of you out there could smash the subscribe button on my podcast really appreciate it spread the word give me a like five star review if you have any ideas for future episodes guests things you'd like to hear us talk about please by all means uh put your two cents in and if any uh people out there any podcasters any comic podcasters who would like to be on the show 
guest star team up with me, hit me up as well. And like I said, next week we're going to continue the final episode of our Halloween month. It's going to be scary. Jamie, any final thoughts on Batman The Long Halloween or anything in general? No, I'm good. Thank you for having me back. I can't wait to come back for uh, uh, another episode. Uh, When you go to Disney, I'll guest host my episode on The Boys. And I'll be back for the uh, Batman Challenge. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome anytime. I appreciate you being there. And I appreciate anyone listening. Until next week, have a good time and a safe, scary Halloween, everyone. Excelsior! <laughs>